Superato Danilo, ingresso in area Felipe Anderson, l'assist per Nani! Il raddoppio della Lazio, loro due! This goal was scored by Luis Carlos Almeida da Cunha, more commonly known as Nani, during his loan spell with Lazio from Valencia in 2017. He scored three goals in 18 matches for the Aquilotti and is better known for his days at Manchester United, where he scored 25 goals in 147 games as a winger. He played alongside the likes of Ronaldo and Rooney, and he also played in Portugal, Turkey, Spain and the USA. On the 14th of January 2022, the newly promoted Venezia announced that they had acquired the services of the Portuguese 35-year-old. Would this prove to be enough to keep the Venetians in Serie A? Nani's trademark celebration back in the day was a front flip, referred to in Portuguese as mortal, meaning leap of death. Hopefully he can still do it at 35. Well, I doubt we're going to be seeing him front flipping anytime soon at the age of 35, but it's good to see him getting his mark on Serie A already. Hello and welcome back to Serie A Spotlight, we're your hosts Jake and Matt. And this is episode 22, another fantastic week of culture for us to talk to you about. And another fantastic victory for me in the prediction series. Yeah, um, well done. We are currently 5-2. Yep. So you're making a decent comeback. You're not as you know terrible as you were at the beginning. Absolutely not. Maybe finally you're learning a thing or two about football. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Especially since I beat you on Fanta Calcio as well. This week it's been a terrible week to be you, bro. Yeah, it's but been terrible. It. It's been terrible. Don't even get me started on the Milan game. I can't believe I have to talk about it. Oh my god! Sarah actually told me that it will probably help me heal because I've been in a in a foul mood yeah, since the game. I haven't been capable of speaking about it yet. I think a couple guys from work tried to tease me about Milan losing, and they hadn't watched the game. And I just showed them the clip once of yeah. the disallowed goal and they shut their fucking mouths instantly, man. Karim, football Karim on Twitter, made a fantastic little clip of the game, mm. basically. It's a summary of the game. And I've just been doing the same thing, just showing it to every single person who, who talks to me about the game. It's like, watch this, don't talk to me. Yep. <laughs> just don't talk shit, man. Well, if you want to hear us talk shit, make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, and we're on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, TikTok, TikTok, we're everywhere, dudes. Tune in, ask us your questions, give us your hot takes, and let's get cracking. It's at Serie Spotlight. Yes, sir. So the first game we're going to be covering was the Sunday 8.45 game, the biggest game of the week. It was Atalanta against Inter, which ended in a nil-nil draw with Atalanta being at home. So this is the second time this season Atalanta and Inter were held to a draw, with the reverse fixture being a 2-2 with Inter at home. So Atalanta were coming off a 6-2 away victory against Udinese and a 2-0 home win to Venezia. Inter are unbeaten in their last six matches in Serie A against Atalanta, drawing four and winning two games, and have also kept a clean sheet in three of those matches. Now, before this match, Inter were on an eight-match winning streak, including victories against Lazio, Torino, Roma and Napoli. The last time they were held was a match day 12 in a 1-1 draw to local rivals Milan. One thing that stood out to me this game and to be honest to probably any single person who um, watched the game were the goalkeeping performances they were incredible particularly Handanovic um, he had great saves on Pessina and Muriel from close range in an impressive fashion um, and also Musso who had a great save on Alexis Sanchez at one point 
Yep, he was clean through. Alexis Sanchez, he also had that confidence from winning the Super Cup midweek as well, where Inter yeah. beat Juventus. Um, he got the winning goal and he had that confidence on him. He took the shot and it was an acrobatic one-handed save by the Argentine. What a great save by him, man. Who do you think dominated this game? So I wouldn't say anyone dominated the game. I think Inter did what they had to do, but I think Atalanta were more aggressive going forward. Um, I think Inter did a great job of slowing the game down where they needed to, and that led to them having 64% ball possession. They had 563 successful passes, which is fucking stupid against Atalanta. Atalanta had 274. Yeah. But then, I mean, you replace Handanovic with Radu or Kordas and, and they lose that game 100%. Yeah. Um, Inter have their full team, pretty much. Yeah. Um, they came into this game, the only rotation I can see is D'Ambrosio in the lineup, right? Yeah. And then eventually they just brought on Devry. It's not like he was unavailable, he was just being rested, you know. Exactly. While Atalanta, on the other hand, are amidst an injury crisis, you know. Um, I like to play a little game when I see the lineups announced of, of mm. Atalanta. It's what the fuck is the formation? <laughs> is, the name, is the name of the game. Um, three centre backs, <laughs> fucking, was it Darun on the wing in the projected lineup? That's what it said. Like 3 5 2 with Darun out wide. Um, that's not what actually happened, but. Yeah, you see everyone shifting all around the pitch. Man, I, yeah. I, I don't even know who played where in this game. Uh, but yeah, like you said, Atalanta were missing Duvan, they're still missing Gossens, they were missing Malinowski. And we're talking about three guys that before they got injured, they were all on hot, hot, hot form. Duvan's been one of the best strikers in the league. Uh, Malinowski has been a menace from that attacking midfield position. Man, it would have been exciting to see him play against Inter. And we all know what Gossens is capable of. So three massive hits yeah. for Atalanta. Even Zappa Costa wasn't 100%. In fact, he came on later on in the game. Yep, and bear in mind... Atalanta have won just 18% of their Serie A meetings with Inter. They don't have a lower percentage against any other team in the league. So if there's one game where they're going to need their full starting 11, then it would be this one, man. Yeah, but I feel like they, they did a good job, of course. Um, I think at one point it was in their hands, the game. Yeah. They, could, they, they could have done it. Like, um, But as you said, Inter slowed down the tempo when they needed to. They they controlled the game to a certain extent, even possession-wise, I believe, overall 64% yeah. for Inter. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, and Muriel, we all know that Muriel can't play a full game, in fact. Um, he played the majority of this one, don't get me wrong. Piccoli came on at the end, but um, them not having Duvan as an option really hurt them. No, 100%. Oh, Ilicic as well, I believe. Huh? Oh, yes, yes, of course, Ilicic is out too. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, but like you said, I'm just going to reiterate, Inter's main task was to tame the lion, basically. Mm -hmm. And they tamed the lion very well. They had a few opportunities to get goals themselves. Zerko missed a couple of chances as well. He had a good performance nonetheless. Um, Handanovic pulled off a couple of saves to keep Inter into the game. Some fantastic saves. Um, actually, Atalanta had... 12 shots with 6 of them being on target. Inter had 11 with 3 on target. So obviously two very busy goalkeepers. Uh, an end-to-end -end match, very entertaining. But 0-0 was the final score at the end of it. If you check out at Serie A Spotlight Stories, you can see all the action from the game weeks because we're retweeting people that upload them illegally <laughs> in a legal manner. In a very legal a manner. Very Don't legal get that manner. twisted. Exactly. Um, I want to point out, bro, some people were talking about that. Chalanoglu had a big game and he dipped. Do you think he dipped or do you think he played well? No, I think Chalanoglu had a good game, man. I think 
Chalanoglu tends to drift off a bit as as the 70th minute approaches, 80th minute approaches, and that's where you get some fresh legs on. But I think Chalanoglu had a brilliant game, man. Mm-hmm. I think he played very well. You know, he barely misplaced a pass. Um, he was... I can't remember him being dispossessed at any points. Like he, he had a few movements of the ball. There was one one moment where he let the ball run yep, through. It for was Alexis really good. Sanchez's yeah. chance where Musso got that safe. Exactly. Let the ball run through his legs brilliantly. And he could bro. have had an assist. I think it was Zeko who missed. Yep, Zeko's header, yeah. I believe. So he played well. Fucking dick. Fucking dickhead. Yeah, he's he's been he's been so good for them in the past ten games. It seems like he's not slowing down yet, which kind of fucking sucks, man. But we'll see. Honest. We'll see. We've seen these spells before, as I always say. Yep. Inter are incredibly impressive though, man. You just don't see them lose matches anymore. You know what I mean? They've been unbeaten for so long. They've lost one game and it was that freak show of a match against Lazio. And it doesn't seem like you know, they're they're giving us any Bad performances or inconsistencies. I think all their players are constantly on top form, and and if they're not, then they've got the personnel to replace yeah, them with. That's the thing. If someone's having a bad game, they just swap him for someone who's equally as good. To be honest, um, and we saw what they did on a budget. I think that fucking wonky-eyed motherfucker Marotas <laughs> is pretty good, man. Obviously, he's he's a world-class sporting director. He um, you know replaced Lukaku with Zeko and somehow made them better. Yeah. He replaced Hakimi with Dumfries and somehow made them better. You know, it's how how is this team better than Conte's Inter? One thing he also did that's that's it's fucking insane how they're performing up even up to par with Conte's Inter because that's one of the best Inter teams I've ever seen. Um, one interesting thing is is they they brought Onana in from Ajax and Handanovic was like. Cool, all right, man. I'm just gonna do everything I can to keep my to, to keep my position. You know what I mean? And he had this performance; it was incredible. So, yeah. Inter fans who have been dissing Handanovic for the entirety of the season and the season prior have actually changed their stance. The majority of them. The main criticism I see for Handanovic from Inter fans is the fact that he doesn't dive. Mm-hmm. When to be honest, he knows he can't reach it. But it's still annoying. There's the debate: if you know you can't reach it, should you still dive? Yes. Yes, right? At least show the fans that you're trying. Wind, curve, exceeding your expectations. Those are three reasons to dive when you have the opportunity to. Wind, curve, and exceeding expectations. Yeah, there's there's the curve of the ball. There's wind that can also change the trajectory of the ball. And then there's exceeding your own expectations, where you pull off a save you weren't expecting to. Ah, fair enough, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> wind! <laughs> Fire and rain, rain. No air, 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 air. Okay. Um. Anyway, um. Where do Inter stand in the table? Where do Atalanta stand in the table? Inter dominating at first with fifty points as they shift their focus on Empoli. Now, Atalanta in fourth, forty on forty-two points as they look to face Lazio this weekend. Yes, somehow Inter didn't win and managed to gain a point on Milan and that is the perfect segue to our rant. This might get boring or annoying, I'm not quite (laughs) sure which one. Yes, um, Milan won Spezia 2, unfortunately. So Milan have won only two of their four Serie A encounters with Spezia and Spezia had lost every game played in San Siro the season prior to this one. <laughs> so a big big round of applause for them. Of course, the play-by-play. So the game started by Milan just pushing and pushing and pushing and shooting from everywhere and just 
Provadel save after save after save. Then eventually in the 45th minute, Milan were granted a penalty. Um, Ibrahimovic did not step up to take this one. It was Theo Hernandez. And I was yeah, like, safe option, no rather yeah. than Zlatan. Exactly. I was like, thank God it's not Zlatan. Theo Hernandez steps up. Provadel's rooted to the spot and Hernandez goes for the bottom right corner and slots it just wide. To make um, life a little bit better for us in the 46th minute, Leao scored an incredible goal where he tripped the keeper. It was Rade Krunic who played the ball over the defence, the midfield and the attack, like over everyone. Um, Leo eventually got to it, chipped Provadel and scored and celebrated in his usual celebration, you know, pulling up his kit, showing the name and doing the whole surfing thing. You yeah, know, the that, surfing thing thanks to Karim. that guy, no, Karim. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I have Brilliant, to say. man. Yeah. In the 64th minute, Kevin Agudelo. Is his name Kevin? Kevin Agudelo, right? Absolutely no idea what Agudelo's name is, man. I believe it's Kevin, yeah, Kevin Agudelo. Yeah, yeah it is Kevin Agudelo. Uh, Kevin yeah. Agudelo scored. He's the ex-Inter man. He looked very good against Milan in the 2-0 beating, I think, last season. Yeah. The assist from the On beautiful... Valentine's Day, that was, dog. Yeah, I remember. I remember that. Um, fuck. The, <laughs> the beautifully bearded Verde with the assist. Okay, it was against the run of play totally and it was a goal. And to be honest with you, when this went in, I wasn't too worried about it. 64th minute, I was like, Milan... We're peppering them, you know, yeah. we're, we're playing really well. These guys stand no chance. Like, now we'll bring on our substitutions, you know, Rebic will come yeah. on. It's going to be, be a bit of a, a, like, the game against Genoa midweek, you know what I mean? It's going to take a struggle, but, but Milan will exactly. get three points. And eventually in the 91st minute, we did come back. Um, For a ball, sure, a totally legally. Yeah, Rebic played the ball to Messias. Messias shot it, top bins, top left corner, incredible scenes. Um, but it turns out the referee had whistled for a foul on Rebic just as he was passing the ball. Yep. Um, the Milan players were in disbelief. Everyone was in disbelief. The referee couldn't believe what he had just done. <laughs> he, was, he was in tears, literally. Yep. Rebic grabbed his face, looked like he was going to bite his head off, but eventually just gently put his forehead to his forehead and like cradled him like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was absolutely terrible. And then to make matters worse, in the 95th minute, Jazzy who had gotten a yellow in the first, I think, 18 minutes of the game or something. Yeah, something like um, that. And then, like, should have been sent off on two separate occasions, scored the winner in the 95th minute through an assist by Kovalenko. I swear to God, normally when Milan lose a game that they didn't deserve to lose, my first reaction is, is to be distraught, to yell, to swear. This one just got me speechless, man. I literally didn't move. I felt paralyzed. I was watching it sat on the floor in front of a heater with a laptop in front of me on Bet365. I couldn't believe it, man. I didn't react in the slightest. It was the worst. Because the thing is, when you see, for example, two yellow cards that lead to a red card, and maybe one of them is a bit soft, or maybe one of them should have been a straight red, there's opinions on what should have happened. But there's no opinion on the rule of an advantage. He whistled, yes. well, the ball was in the back of a net, uh, in the back of the net, a split second after the foul was committed. Yes, he yes, was definitely. so quick to whistle. Man, it would have been great in the wild, wild west, this <laughs> fucking guy whooping his gun out. I was talking to Santi about this, one of the Jubilanis who took over the show <laughs> for us um, while we were in Amsterdam. And he said that it's crazy how, with all the technology we have, you can't undo a, a simple whistle like. Hey, man. You can't, he whistled so he can't now, no. I know it was fair, fuck it, but he whistled. <laughs> really? <laughs> There's so much technology yeah. in football, yet it's controlled by a primitive fucking whistle, man. A whistle, dude. Oh, my God. Okay. 
Um, Empoli have just taken the lead against Inter and it's Patrick Cotrode. That's nice at least. <laughs> That's um, brilliant. So, yes, um, I have to say, though, I have to apologize to every single Milan fan out there that this loss was on me. Um, the second we started this podcast, I started from the first episode up until this one. I have been shitting relentlessly on Thiago Motta, <laughs> saying that Spezia are going to get relegated and Motta is a fraud and that he is totally overachieving in his position there. Doesn't deserve his um, post. Exactly, he doesn't stupid. deserve it. His ideas are bombastic, extravagant, sensationalist. He does He's not weird. deserve to be there. But basically, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Basically, why are you listening to me? Turn this off. Go listen to Joe Rogan. No, that's not a bad shout. But I tried telling you that Motta's decent. Well, it's not Motta, to be honest. That's decent. It's his assistant coach that had a referee's fucking uniform on the picture. <laughs> it pissed me off so much that Spezia were celebrating so hard. I get it. I get yeah. it completely. They went to San Siro and they got all three points. That's they, they should be focusing on beating the four teams that are under them, not the team that's fucking second. For sure. But show some humility, dog. You know, you know exactly what just happened. It's everything, man. Even Motta's words after that they deserved the victory. Are they did nuts? not deserve the nuts? victory. They yeah. did not deserve the Maybe victory. Maybe at most a draw, but you didn't even deserve that. No, absolutely not. Absolutely. Seven saves by Provedel. Tell me another time Seven that's going to happen. A missed penalty. Uh, an officiating error. Fucking yellow. So, uh, so many officiating errors yeah, so because, many. like you the said, Giassi exactly. should have been fucking sent off. Fucking stupid Giassi. Anyway, we fuck. should we should get into the the details of the game a little yeah. bit as well. So I think particularly Leo was spectacular. There was no one who seemed to play up to his level. I think he was like a one man army this game, especially in the first half. He was just running rampant, and no one could seem to keep up with him. And it's a shame that we didn't utilize his talent, his hunger, his form. Like you said, no one played up to his level. And I think that the error by the mistake, the, the error made by the referee saved some of Milan's players some heavy criticism because I think Milan let themselves go in the match. I don't think there was much urgency to kind of kill the game off early. But credit to Spezia, they did well. They started off in a very conservative manner. They kept their shape. And then once the second half came and they conceded that goal, they were offensive they were naughty and they were dangerous, man. They were good spets, yeah. They were organized, credit to them. They were organized, especially considering, you know, the lack of options they have. They, they did a pretty good job. Um, who should be Milan's rigorista? Fucking no one, bro. I don't know who the hell should take the penalties. Well, to, to be quite frank, <laughs> it should be Kessie. Yeah, Kessie is definitely sure. the best penalty taker in the club. But how long is Kessie going to be in the club for is the... Is the Big question. I think the second one after him would be Theo. And, you know, he, he missed now. It definitely shouldn't be Zlatan. I think I've had to choose between Zlatan and Theo. It should definitely be Theo. But he was yeah. very fucking unfortunate not to not even hit the target in that penalty, which is rookie, really. I wonder how Leo would take them, considering his form. It might be a good idea to give him one. Ooh, that's not a bad shout, huh? Yeah, Oli for sure. A... Ah, <laughs> yeah, thank you, Oli. Also, Krunic is a dead ball specialist when he's on the pitch. Well, we'll let him yeah, get on it. Maybe Tonali Had it well. not been for that free kick, that would be a laughable statement. But he has that free kick, so it's totally valid. Krunic has had a couple of free kicks that either got close or, or went in. He's been fucking decent. What about one. Florenzi? 
Florenzi. You got a shot at him. Well, he could definitely pelt yeah, it if, into the if top If penalties corner. were taken from the halfway line, then, then <laughs> Florenzi should definitely take it. Um, yeah, Marco Serra was the referee. Um, okay, I'm, I'm torn about how to feel about this guy. So on one hand, terrible mistake. I'm a Milan fan. I'm upset with him. Yeah. And then there's the human level. On a human level, you know, he had a bad day at work. He recognized his mistake. He was in tears. At the end of the game, apparently Zlatan went to console him. He had been crying in the in the locker room. A few players, like four or five Milan players, went as well to console him. So there's that. But at the end of the day, if I make a mistake at work, I suffer the consequences. And my salary is nowhere next to fucking Marco Serra's. So, 100%. You know, higher salary, higher consequences, my friend. Uh, that error that he made that allowed Milan to lose three points that could be fucking vital at the end of the season. That could have been a Tomori own goal. Tomori is going to cry. Tomori is going to be upset, but Tomori is going to get criticism. You know what I mean? He deserves to get criticism. I think when it comes to attacking the guy directly like I did on Twitter. (laughs) What did you say? I I, I told him I hate it when when people attack referees personally, but fuck your mother, Sarah. (laughs) I was mad. <laughs> I was I was so mad. So obviously there, there's no place for that, and and I don't know who I'm apologizing to, but but I apologize for for that. But yeah, he he's a bad referee, but he might be a good human. But I don't yeah, care yeah. because I'm watching football. Yeah, down to Burr with Spezia, please. <laughs> Do you fucking think they'll get relegated? Oh, it's they haven't stopped winning since I last said that man. They've, they've beaten Napoli and Milan, dude. That's true. Um, do I still think they'll get relegated? Yes, man. I, the season is long. We're only at the half. We're just over the halfway point. I do think Spezia will get relegated. Fair enough. How are Milan gonna bounce back from this devastating loss? I think Milan are gonna go to the Juve Stadium. It's away, right? Against Juve, the next one. Or is it at home? Whatever. Milan are going to play Juve in the next game. I think they're going to be hungry for blood. Juve are on form, so that's going to be a fire game. That's going to be a nice game to watch for sure. And depending on how that game goes, will result in how the Inter game goes as well. Because Milan have Juve and Inter right after each other. I think if Milan go and beat Juve, there's a good chance of Milan possibly beating Inter. But I think if Milan go and lose to Juve, I think it's a draw at most against You're very optimistic, huh? For a Milan fan who just witnessed a 2-1 home defeat. But the injustice was so obvious that that (laughs) everyone must be fuming. Like, if the players aren't hungry, then I don't know what the hell is going to make them hungry. That's true. I was really happy to see Calabria back as well. I was, I was too, man. I I love that. I missed having him on the pitch. Even just the, the sight of him gliding up and down, man. Yeah, and I just picked him up on fantasy football, so that's Yep, nice and he hasn't played a single game till then. Pleasure doing business with you, dog. <laughs> so so do you go. think, are we are we comfortable to jump onto the next game and stop crying over this one? I think that's a good idea. Um, is the next one Napoli? The next one is Napoli, but where are Milan and oh, where yes. are Spezia? So Milan currently sit in second, one point behind, no, two points behind Inter, of course. Good. Inter have the game in hand Inter as well. Inter have a game in hand as well against Bologna. And in 15th lies Spezia with 22 points. My God, ahead of Samp as ahead well. Ahead of Sampdoria right now. Sampdoria just signed Gianpaolo, by the way. We'll get into that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the next game we're going to be covering is Napoli's victory over Bologna away from home. It was 2-0 for Napoli. The reverse fixture was a 3-0 victory for Napoli. So Napoli were coming off a 1-0 victory 
to Sampdoria, but got trashed in a thrilling Coppa Italia fixture against Fiorentina with the score of 5-2. Bologna, on the other hand, were coming off a 2-1 away loss to relegation battlers Cagliari. Now, coming into this game, Napoli had won each of their last three Serie A meetings against Bologna with an aggregate score of 7-1. Now, that's four games with an aggregate of 9-1. However, in the last 18 games between Bologna and Napoli at the Dallara, they are tied on eight wins each with two draws. Now, obviously, both teams had their absentees, uh, such as Molla, Santander, Orsolini, Dykes, Mbaya, Barrow and Kingsley for Bologna, and Koulibaly, Anguissa, Unas, Insigne and Ospina for Napoli. So, in the 20th minute, Lozano managed to finish after Elmas cut the ball back from the byline. Great goal by him. In the 45th minute, Ruiz hit the post from range would have been a carbon copy of his goal in the reverse fixture. In the 47th minute, Lozano got his second goal and another assist by Ruiz. Great passage of play by Napoli, great pass from Zielinski to Ruiz, who squared it to the far post where Lozano took the keeper, uh, took on the keeper sorry, and finished into an empty net. In the 93rd minute, Zvanberg hit the post from a sweetly hit free kick, leaving Meret rooted to the spot. Now, I think Lozano did very well getting into the final third in this match. He could have had two more goals. Skorupski denied him. Do you think that he would find himself in the final third as much with Ozymen in the team rather than Mertens? Um, probably, to be honest, man. Um, Ozyman is very good at holding the play up. And Lozano is very quick, you know. Ozyman's hold-up play and Lozano's marauding runs on the right could see him actually getting more service there. Yep. In my opinion. You mentioned Ozyman. It was really good seeing him making a return this time. He once again displayed his pace and strength and that great impact he has going forward. He didn't quite get a goal, but obviously he, yeah. he did come on as a substitute. But exciting times. They thought they were they were missing him for the entirety of the African Cup of Nations, but now he's back and he looks like fucking Zorro as well. Yeah, um, you could tell he's not completely used to it. He's always fiddling with it, no? He's always yeah. grabbing his mask, fixing it, you know? It's going to take him some time to get used to that. Apparently, according to, the, to um, Spalletti, he said that Ozyman hasn't been affected by the mental aspect of the injury. Okay, so he's still going him, into the 50-50s. It's in his nature. It's in his game, you know? What and that's, a beast. Yeah, what a beast, literally, to break your face the way he did and yep. to still be able to do that. I'm not sure I fully believe him. Might be taking the pressure off slightly. You know, Spalletti saying that. Of course, he has to say mm-hmm. that. But I, I'll, I'll keep a close eye on him. See, see if he's afraid or not. Yeah. Well, I pulled my back in the gym this morning, and I'm scared to fart. Like so, <laughs> Ozyman's got some serious balls. So Ruiz, Lobotka, and Zielinski played the ball around really nicely. It was interesting to see Ruiz alongside Lobotka. Obviously, Ruiz came back from injury. I was expecting to see Demme next to him because Demme is a bit more defensive than Lobotka. But just seeing these guys playing the ball around Ruiz to to Lobotka, to Zielinski, down the flank to Elmas, it was beautiful play, man. Yeah, um, the only guy in their midfield who was dispossessed was Lozano, and it happened once. You know, Mertens was never dispossessed, Ruiz and Lobotka neither, Elmas neither, and neither was Zelinski. That's crazy. Their retention is crazy, you know, especially with Ruiz back. Like, we were praising them recently, but seeing Ruiz, like, God, oh, it's, it's a totally different <laughs> yeah. ball game. Eh? But again, interesting to see Ruiz alongside Lobotka. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting. You know, Spalletti likes to work with two very different central midfielders. 
and I think here he, he played two similar guys, but, but it worked out really nicely. It was a very convincing win for them. That being said, are Napoli back in full flow? Um, yes, I, I would say so, actually. They, they had a dip because they lost their spine, as we discussed quite a few times. Koulibaly, um, Anguissa and Ozyman all out um, yeah. and more, to be honest. Yeah, well, th- there, was, there were a few more injuries here and there as well. Um, there was Ruiz injured. There was Mario Rui out injured as well, even though they probably didn't miss him as much as I'm saying they would. And alongside all of that, there was the whole Insigne drama. Yeah. Insigne has been captain for a fucking while at Napoli. When you know your captain's leaving, it's not easy to take, man, as a club. It'll definitely leave some kind of psychological impact on them, but it all depends. You know, Insigne might look at these guys and say, listen, this is my last year here. Let's do everything we can to win this thing. Um, we're back at full flow. You saw how we started the season. Let's pick up where we left off, basically. And I think they have the facilities to do that. You know, I, at a point I, I was touting them to to win the league. Um, I think they are worse than Inter, but I think they're on par with Milan, for example. I think if you give them a full team, a full team, barring all this fucking injury and COVID and, and African Cup of Nations, I think they're yeah. I think they're on par with Inter. And I think Milan are on par with Inter when they have a full squad as well. I think those three, it's it's a toss of a coin between who yeah. would win that. The only thing which obviously we've discussed before is Inter have more squad depth, but I think... And less injuries, very and, important. And, and less injuries, but I'm saying if everyone was in, yeah, was in yeah. full flow. I think 11 v 11, Inter, Milan and Napoli, stalemate, man. But I, I would also add Atalanta to that list, 11 versus 11, then... But then Atalanta are slightly more inconsistent towards the beginning of the season. They always tend to pick up towards the second half of it. I, In the beginning, I, I thought Atalanta would win the league before the league even started. I was like, ah, Atalanta are definitely going to win it. It's, it's their time now. But they always have a slow start, man. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So in Arnautovic's first 14 games this season, he scored six goals and got one assist. But now it's been nine games since he scored a single goal or got a single assist. What's going on with this guy, bro? So I don't think it's an Arnautovic problem. I think Arnautovic managed to get two shots on target away this this game. Um, it was two out of 12 shots <laughs> that, were, that were taken by Bologna. However, Bologna have lost five of their last six matches in Serie A now. So I think it's it's a problem of the entire club. I think they themselves have been struck with a couple of a couple of injuries. I don't feel like there's much creativity about Bologna at the moment. Yeah. They struggle to adapt to games. They're a bit slow, they're a bit timid. The European dream, no? We're talking about mm. them potentially being a... The European dream, my fucking ass. Conference man. League contender. No, definitely not. Um, yeah, I think you are right. Of course, it is a Bologna problem more than an Arnautovic problem, but he could be inserting himself a little bit more effectively. He could be, he could play a little bit more selflessly at times. I feel like he gets frustrated with his teammates at times. He does, he does have it in his head that he's bigger than the team. Yeah, well, he, he probably... He's probably quite selfish because people on podcasts keep on saying about how oh, he hasn't scored in two games, three games, four games, five, nine games. Yeah, just fucking you, score, man. Just fucking score. Dude, well, that's really not that hard. If I was on the pitch, I'd score. I think Zvamberg is a key player for Bologna. Definitely. He had a fantastic game over here. He had a really, really good game and he's been good for a while now. 
Yeah, he's been he's been very good. It took him a while to get going this season, but last year as well, he was a super player. I'm a, I'm a fan of the guy. Um, we saw Viola, Nicolas Viola, um, debut for Bologna. Well, have his first start technically. He's mm-hmm. the only man with face tattoos in the league. He's got a gorgeous left foot. I'm not sure how he played, to be honest with you. I, I missed this game because it was at the same time the Milan fiasco was going on. But just looking over here, he seemed to have pretty, a pretty quiet game. Yeah, it seems like it was quite insignificant. I mean, a past success of 70% when you're playing behind the midfield, I think that that does need to be better. But he is, is, you know, coming off playing with Benevento. So he will need some time to to adapt to this area again. I wonder if he'll be on penalties. He was on penalties for Benevento. He he can hit them, bro. Well, Mihailovic has made it very clear that Orsolini is their number one rigorista. But when... You know, when he's not on the pitch or when he's injured, perhaps Viola can step up. But, you know, they <laughs> now they're a team that have a couple of decent penalty takers. There's Orsolini, Soriano, Viola, yeah. Arnautovic. That's so, they're, they're lucky. My favorite player on this um, Bologna team is by far Theat. Uh, the the centre back Belgian yeah. uh, Milan have actually been linked to him and I do hope that that goes through eventually he's a fantastic player I think 20 million will be a bargain he's young he's strong he's confident he can insert himself in the final third as well he's a very complete left footed defender for sure man and and it's like you said he's he's still young so there's a lot of time for progression for him I I think he's great I think he's strong I think he's fast I think he's got a great header to him I have seen him get dribbled past before, but that's no yeah. problem. I'm sure Tomori and, and Kier will be able to teach him a thing or two, maybe not Romagnoli. But yeah, I think I think he'll fit right into that Milan team, and I think he might even sort that centre-back issue out. He might, he might. We'll see. We'll see how that unfolds. Um, of course, take every single bit of transfer news you hear, um, unless it's in our transfer segment, with a pinch of salt. For sure, Napoli find themselves in third, two points off of Milan, um, after Milan obviously dropped points, whatever. Bologna 13th, and as we said earlier, European dream, my fucking ass. The next game was between Juventus and Udinese, which ended 2-0 for the hosts. Um, Juve were fired up after the Super Cup defeat, and it really showed this game, they came out with a point to prove. Um, Juve have now won 10 of their last 13 games against Udinese and Serie A, only losing once and scoring in each and every game. Madonna. Per aspere ad astra was the Latin quote that Choffi used to pump up his players. <laughs> what? Yes, it means through the hardship to the stars. Um, they, have right. a, they have a COVID crisis, Udinese especially with the staff. Um, they had some problems with their first team training. I think they managed to get a training session in their first one just three games out uh, three days before the Juventus game. So um, Choffi called it a surreal situation and tried to really pump his guys up for this one. Um, Juve have made it eight games unbeaten. Yeah, that's pretty good. And I'm gonna take you through the play-by-play, bro. It's two goals in the 19th minute. Dybala scored um, a good finish after. Um, Arthur played a forward ball to Keane who slipped it to Nuitink who fumbled it and the ball got to the end of it and finished very cleanly into the top left corner. He appeared to look angrily into the stands um, 
where allegedly the directors were sitting, but he eventually went on to deny that, saying he was looking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because there were hardly any fans in the stadium, no? Yeah, well, the fi- 5K, I guess. 5K, and maybe one of them was his friend, man. <laughs> in, the, in the 79th minute, Weston McKennie scored an assist by Deshilio. Um, Arthur played a long ball to Deshilio, crossed it sweetly to Weston McKennie, who headed it in. What's up with Deshilio, like? He's inspired right now. Could he be one of those players that peaks late in his career and just has like three great years now? Perhaps he was always kind of ahead of his time in the sense Mm -hmm. that he was always a very mature player from a young age. I think that's what you get when, you know, I, I, I believe he was playing left back and right back for Milan from like 19 years of age. Yes. Alongside, you know, learning from Abate. I wonder who was left. Who, who was left back in Ant- that? Antonelli. In that, Antonelli. No, no, it was it was Antonini. Antonini. Antonini yeah. Oh, what's the difference, man? <laughs> no, Anto- Antonini deserves more respect. To be honest, he was a donkey in a good team. Fair enough. So what I'm trying to say is that th- this guy has has you know a mature style about him. He's not the quickest left back slash right back in in the world, but. He's versatile, he gets the job done, he knows the game, he has bags of experience for his age. So he could be a guy that, yeah. that peaks later on in his career, maybe. The greatest criticism of Dishilio throughout his time with Milan was that he would never insert himself in the final third and he would never bombard forward. So he wasn't viewed as a, as a modern fullback. Well, nowadays, in the last two games at least, he has a goal and an assist. And talk about inserting yourself, right? So power to you, Deshilio. Power to you, keep going, dude. Yeah. I like seeing people that used to play for Milan playing well. Yeah, but Except for Hakan is one of those I, I, I kind of despise a little bit. The whole flirtatious affair going on with Juve while he was with us saying that he would love to play for them. And he was he was Milan's captain at the time. That's pretty unprofessional, to be honest. But, but anyway, happy to see him doing well. Um, Allegri said that we held out mentally and technically for 120 minutes on Wednesday But there was a moment tonight when we just left the game So he praised Juve's mentality against Inter in the Supercoppa But said that at a point against Udinese, um, Juve switched off Now there was some controversy when they were only 1-0 up Juve This is probably when he was talking about when they switched off Um, Because in the box, Bernardeschi grabbed Soppy by the hair Oh yeah And he dropped him An obvious an obvious penalty, in my in my humble opinion. Um, in fact, it was it was Choffi who who commented after saying that we're getting a barber to shave off everyone's hair so that it doesn't happen again. <laughs> Dude, this Choffi guy is just all vibes. Yeah, he's he's brilliant. Joking around constantly, <laughs> he's constantly taking the piss. Yeah, but I mean, I think Allegri was totally correct to point that out. I think. When you one nil up and you start to slack off, that's how big teams drop points to to smaller teams. You know what I mean? It's something yeah. we've seen Juve do before as well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so Allegri added, "That's not right. We always have to be fully focused, especially when there aren't enough fans to keep us on our toes. Because for ten minutes we ran some big risks. Luckily yeah. enough for him, Juve managed to get a second goal and they managed yeah. to get away with a victory. And a clean sheet, very good for them. Um, they seem to be finding their feet. Arthur seems to be settling in quite nicely as a regista, I have to say. McKenny's a workhorse, you know, scoring his mm. goal, doing the whole Harry Potter celebration. That's he's become that's a real goal-scoring midfielder, he McKenny. Has, he, he scored a couple this season. In Italy, it happens. When you're industrious, that's what you get. Like Pasalic is so hard-working and he really puts himself in those positions and he makes sure he's there all the time and he gets the goals. McKenny's kind of similar in that way. Very smart player. Um, the only 
positive I see from Udinese, they were a very depleted side, maybe I'm going to be a bit harsh here, is the 19-year-old Destiny Udoji, who's playing very well. He's been playing well lately, he's on loan from Verona, there's an obligation to buy him under certain conditions, so that's a good, that's a good thing for Udinese, he's going to be potentially a pretty good player. Yep, he had a good game and I, we, we watched this game and I thought he was, he was great. Udinese are now um, on a two-match losing streak. They lost 6-2 at home to Atalanta and they lost 2-0 away to Juve. I mean, and then that was followed by a cup defeat against Lazio last night, uh, over 120 minutes. I wouldn't be critical on Udinese and, and kind of say they need to do this, they need to do that. They really have been on the rise. They just had a couple of tough fixtures in a row. I mean, before that, they beat Cagliari 4-0. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They drew to Milan. And even though Juve had 66% ball possession, Udinese still put 16 shots away, you mm-hmm. know, to Juve's 14. So they outshot Juve, essentially. So not, not too bad for them. Yeah, how many of those shots were on target? Um, I'm not sure, but on I target know that it was it was three, three for for Udinese. I was saying because that amount yeah. of shots at Chesney, <laughs> and I think one has to go in, but but three, yeah, that's that's doable. Of course, most of these shots came late in the game when Juve started allegriing. Yep, I'm I'm gonna mention your point again. I'm I'm gonna go back on Juve for a second, and I'm gonna say Dybala leaving. If he mm. if he does leave, that's not good at all for Juve. I think the only situation where they could say all right that kind of worked out for the best is if someone overspends on him mm. buy him for like yeah, 80 that's, million that's like overspend on him and they invest the money elsewhere but still that's gonna take a couple of seasons to get someone full flow with a, cl- with a club unless it's that you know Hallandesque effect where you just yeah. go in and adapt instantly but something they have with the ballas they have that adapted guy and he's yeah. one of their good guys he's been one of their best players this season it's him and Chiesa all the way and Locatelli as you said this could be a blessing in disguise for Juve especially if they get a good payday out of this if Juve can get Anything, I, I don't know. How much would Dybala go for nowadays? I think I was gonna a franchise say, player so marketable, you can go 50 million, right? Easily, I, I right? was going to say 60 to 80 yeah. million probably that they'll, they'll spend yeah, on him. Yeah, that's fucking good. You know? You're getting rid of a guy who isn't playing half the time. You can mm. get a solid player. You can get two good players. Like So this could be a, a blessing in disguise for you, definitely. I'm leaving. But, but it's, not, it's not confirmed that he's leaving. It has to be said that there's a lot of confusion going around. Okay. There's a, there are many mixed reports. Reading into body language in football is bullshit. You know, you can see yeah. Kessie and Shalanoglu celebrating at the end of yeah, last yeah, season yeah, yeah, where we yeah. got Champions League, and that didn't mean anything. <laughs> but imagine, okay, you're Juve's manager, you are Allegri, and tomorrow it's confirmed mm-hmm. the ball is leaving the club, and mm-hmm. you're getting 80 million for him. No, let's say 70 million for him. Okay. Where do you invest the money, bro? Okay, so I'll go for a striker that knows the league. I'll bring in Skamaka. You'd bring... I'd bring in fucking... uh, No, you know what, dude? Actually, I'd try my very best. Literally, like, give them... For Vlaovic, Mm -hmm. I would fucking get rid of Dybala. I would get rid of Bernardeschi, who probably has some value to maybe send him the other way. Mm. You know, I'd even rope in another player, literally anyone, like, get the price down a little bit. If they can bring in Vlaovic, that's a serious player. If not, if they want to be a little bit, you know, more, a little bit easier on their budget, 
They can bring in Skamaka, they can bring in Beto, maybe, who knows, and Beto's a bit more of a risk. Um, but Skamaka, I think, would be a good one for them. And maybe a, another creative player. They Another. They would need one creative player. Yeah, literally. So, if Dybala leaves, then, then Chiesa's going to play on the wing in like a, a, a 4-3-3, for example. Ooh. Who will be that more offensive midfielder for them because I think and then if, if they get rid of the ball then they're going to need to get someone for that position because they'll yeah. probably play Locatelli as one yeah. of the more defensive lying midfielders Locatelli Arthur and um, or Arthur or whatever and McKenny doesn't sound bad doesn't I wouldn't sound even bad mind getting rid of Ben Tancur if I were a Juve fan to be honest with you I yeah. mean I, I see him as a box-to-box player you know Locatelli and Arthur mm-hmm. have enough coverage, you know, you need someone who who's a bit more of an, offen- an offensive threat, unless you're going to deploy Locatelli more forward, but personally I prefer him deeper. Mm-hmm. Would you get rid of Rabiot if you were Allegri? Uh, yes, I think everyone wants to get rid of Rabiot, uh, because, because of his wages, dude. Yeah, I, I agree, well, I, I don't I don't know about his wages, although coming from PSG, he, he mm-hmm. probably he gets And they got him on a free, it was one of those fiascos. But if they want him on the left... In left midfield, they plug him in. If they want him in center midfield, they plug him in. You know what? He's versatile. He's a bit of a crunch, like. Yeah, that's. But true. it's a pity that Rabiot's become a crunch because he was hailed to like become one of the greats, man. He was one of those tall guys with a nice touch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think I think we've covered this game pretty yeah, much, yeah. and and we went a bit overboard as well. Probably. What? How far in are we? We are to, 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 to 44 minutes in. That's okay, all right, not bad, man. Not bad. That's all right. So Juve are currently in fifth, one point yep. off of a UCL spot. Um, Atalanta have a game in hand, of course, while Udinese are in 14th with 23 points. So the next game we're going to be covering is Fiorentina's 6-0 thrashing of Genoa. So the reverse fixture, it was a 2-1 win only to Fiorentina. But obviously the situation here is a bit different for Genoa as we speak as this game was well they had their assistant manager on the touchline who is now their caretaker manager um, his name is Abdullah Konko and this was his first test looking after Genoa after Sheva was sacked very quickly into his into the start of his career at Genoa so obviously Genoa in, in shambles at the moment and they face an inspired Fiorentina you know what I mean they just had that massive victory in the Coppa Italia, um, but they also came off a 4-0 loss to Torino at the same time. So they're hyped up, they need wins, they want wins, they want to get back into that European zone, man. That's where they're aiming for. Genoa need a blessing, and they got one. Alexander Blessing has been appointed their coach. Um, the former Ooh, RB Leipzig youth team manager. Okay, and He was managing KV Ustende. Mm. Ustende? Ustende? The f- fucking EastEnders, I don't know what the hell that <laughs> says. But yes, he's taking the helm at Genoa. So will he be managing in Serie B next season? Will he make it? Will he save them? Who knows? Interesting. So just to be clear, Genoa sacked Sheva after their midweek Coppa loss against Milan. And a couple of days later, the caretaker manager, Conco, had his first match. It wasn't even a full Genoa team. And they took on Fiorentina who need slash want a win, and yep, they lost 6-0. So let me run you through the play-by-play a little bit. So in the opening minutes, this is something I want to mention. Portanova attempted a lob from the halfway circle. Yeah, I like Portanova. And he almost caught Meret off. Meret was beaten. It just went over and a bit yeah. wide, bro, but it was a fucking decent attempt, and he slipped 
when he when he took the shot. He hasn't scored for Genoa. Imagine he opened up his scoring record. Hey year. man, that would have been crazy. Well, they would have lost six <laughs> one. In the eleventh minute, Vlaovic Panenka penalty. Um, so Sirigu save it. The penalty was won by Saponara. Vlaovic normally, you know, strikes them into the top corner. He went for the dink and he didn't pull it off. In the 15th minute, Odriozola got a rebound and put the ball into the back of the net. His first goal in Serie A and he made it 1-0. In the 34th minute, Bonaventura made it 2-0 after he got a rebound from his own header after a lovely play between Saponara and Biragi who crossed the ball well. In the 42nd, Biragi with an outstanding free kick from distance. Such power and precision from... Such a long way out, man. This was yeah. a great fucking free kick, man. It's like up there with um, Forestieri's free kick this season, in my Such opinion. Such an arrogant celebration as well. Hey, man, hey, fucking. Yeah. He doesn't give a fuck, man. Um, well, people who have him on Fanta will be fucking happy, man, this week. What a performance. Yeah, so at halftime, Fiorentina were 3-0 up. They're heading into the dressing room. Vlaovic is seen apologizing to the fans. He's got his hands up in humility, saying, I shouldn't have done that. I apologize. Next time I'll smash it, I promise. And they're all like, it's okay, bro. And they're clapping and screaming his name. And they, he came they were out. booing him at a point this season. Well, so, yeah. yeah, 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 for, for sure. But he won the fans over again for some yeah. reason. I think he might stay. I don't know. Um <laughs> they came back out and six minutes later after after half time, Vlaovic scored a trip. What an animal like. Yeah. <laughs> he missed a chipped penalty. Like, okay, I'll come back on and I'll score a chip myself. He probably like, said that to himself. I have to chip this guy. This hey guy. man, hey man. Well he made up for it and what a ball by Bonaventura. In the 69th minute, Bragi with another free kick. Jesus Christ, who is this fucking David Beckham? <laughs> and in the 77th minute, Torreira scored a header after newbie Icone. Crossed the ball in for him. Ikone came on. Nice. And well, he got an assist, so well done. Him and Nani are now even. Yeah. <laughs> um, Male started for, for Fiorentina. I thought he played well. I like this guy. He's yeah, he, he, he did well, particularly with his teammates. Yeah. I, I felt he had good chemistry with them for someone who doesn't play so regularly. I thought he looked comfortable. Also, man, I had a thought the other day. Imagine... As we mentioned before, as Dechilio potentially being one of these players who, who like blooms late, mm. blossoms late into his career. Imagine that's what's happening with Saponara right now. And he's finally getting a full season. You know, he seems to be untroubled with injuries. I think that's so far. exactly what's happening. Bro. But, but now listen to this. What if you take him on the national team and bring him on in the last 15 minutes? <laughs> I'm in for that, man, to be honest. I mean, I, he'll bring he'll bring something. He'll bring something different. Genuinely, I'm gonna say there isn't a player in the Italian national team as technically gifted and creative as Saponara. I think I'm I'm about to make a point. He plays quite similarly to Insigne, a bit closer to the goal than Insigne would. Insigne would drift wider off. Saponara's closer to the box, like. But the way he holds the ball back, changes play, makes space with yeah. his runs. I think he'll have a He'll have a good impact on the national team, Fair. seeing they work I, I so well with Insignia. I, I kind of see that. He's obviously a slower version, but he has more options. He's more versatile than yep. Insignia, especially when it comes to his creativity and his idea. And the way he sees the game, the runs he sees, you know, he, mm-hmm. he's such a clever yeah. player. So much fun Insignia has great execution and then... Yeah, well, so does Saponara. So does Saponara, yeah. but, but Insignia's is fucking crazy and then maybe not from the penalty spot, but everywhere else. I wonder if people good. right now, who the f- like, who the fuck is Saponara? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are these guys I saying? fucking love Saponara so much. National man. team. <laughs> so Fucking right, national team. Bro, I... I 
I was fucking thinking about. Imagine you're playing against Fiorentina, you concede six, and on six separate occasions, Selavi comes on after you concede a goal. <laughs> I would never go on a cruise again, man. Like, I would never go on a Mediterranean cruise ever again if I conceded six. La, 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 la. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's the Genoa team off. Costa Concordia or whatever the fuck it's called. That's the one that fucking sank, yeah. dog. Oh my god. What can we say, man? January on their third manager of the season, Abdullah Konko. It's looking and they like faced, the yeah, fall. Yeah. And and they faced Italiano Fiorentina. That was a mismatch. We get that. They were always gonna lose, maybe not 6-0, but whatever they did. But Genoa are in some serious trouble, bro. Yeah. 19th place, 12 points. The team above them, which is Cagliari, who are actually fighting and doing something to stay up, yeah. are four points ahead of them. Yeah, there's six points from safety right now, and they, have, they haven't they have won a game in five at least. That's crazy. Okay, they might actually go down. And to be honest, I think Genoa needed. They've been arrogant lately. They've been complacent with their, with their dealings. Luckily, they have a new owner, and I feel bad for the guy because, you know, He's the four, what was it, triple four partners or triple uh, seven, triple seven, triple I seven, think. Triple yeah, seven, triple seven partners. Um, an American company, they just bought Genoa and they were a bit arrogant after the derby loss against Spezia. They were like, um, it's a bad day, but it's a good day because you have the American, because you have Shevchenko coming in, you have us coming in. So, yes, they have big plans, probably, and I know that they're going to loan in players, for sure. They, yeah. they, they always loan in players halfway through the season. They might get in Miranchuk, like, and he might just be enough I, to keep I was, them up. I was going to say, Miranchuk and two others, no? Yeah, they're, there are two being, other names. They're being I, linked I with. They are. One but of them is from Atalanta, I think, as well. One three new ones. players and a new manager. Shit, I really want to know who the players are. Um, three new players and a new manager could, you know up Genoa's performances if, if obviously the signings go as expected and the management goes as expected they're getting this fucking guy who was the youth team coach of Leipzig or whatever a German manager He's yeah pretty but interesting they 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 need to step it up like if they get three guys in to help sure plug them in see what they can do but fucking whatever just start getting some points because they're reminding me of Parma last yeah, season kind of yes. Salernitana or Crotone and Genoa or Parma and Parma ended up last huh yeah this is what we thought would happen with Genoa in the last few seasons but mm-hmm. it just never did yep you always tip them to stay up I remember man last season and even in the beginning of this season they because they because they, they always, always get do the by, same thing they always exactly they always get by and they always make correct purchases in january for mm-hmm. the short term they never go long term they never buy a young player and invest in him like who the fuck do they have like Absolutely honestly their talent no is rovella he's juves <laughs> you know unfortunate times for yeah. for genoa but i'm gonna switch the focus a little bit to fiorentina now and the first guy I want to talk about isn't Vlaovic this time, but it's Biragi. Yeah. What the fuck, dude? He, I don't even like, know what to say, man. Like, who is Theo Hernandez? You know what I mean? <laughs> Biragi is more often frustrating than not, in my opinion. I think he's often frustrating the way he plays. He loses the ball a lot. His crosses aren't always accurate. He's not exactly fast enough. But then he has this in his locker. Yeah. So that's that's quite quite interesting, definitely. That's a great plug-in, and he can hit penalties as well, man. Yeah, 92% success. A bit of a Florenzia, yeah? this guy. Well, yeah, yes, actually. Full back with a shot. 
Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Pretty much. Um. Obviously, Fiorentina just run rampant. It was it was nice of Braga to to pitch in and and entertain the fans a little bit. Um. But Fiorentina had 685 passes completed, yeah. dude. And they got 22 shots away and they had 74% ball possession. Terracciano didn't make a single save. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, so Fiorentina, obviously, like I mentioned, they'll be looking to pop back into those European spots. I think they had their mindset on that. I think they started aiming for it. They started dipping, then they're like, fuck, like, let's get back on track. Let's, let's get that. And... Yeah, they're on the right track, it seems. Now they're level on points with Roma and Lazio, who sit in 7th and 6th, respectively. Uh, Genoa, 19th, 6 points behind Venezia. In 17th, who have a game in hand. The next game was between Roma and Cagliari, and it saw Roma win 1-0. So that's three wins on the trot for Roma. Cagliari have only won one of their last 16 games against Roma, a 3-2 victory back in April. Oh, wow. Yeah, the last four meetings between these sides prior to this game saw 20 goals, averaging five goals per game. Not bad. So this, uh, I I was expecting a bit more of a shootout, to be honest. I was expecting more goals. Um, But basically, Roma did Roma things, you know, they did Mourinho things. Mm Mm-hmm. They got a penalty call early on, but VAR proved that it wasn't. It was actually a great tackle by Carboni on Zaniolo with his fresh trim. Looking good. Yeah. In the 33rd minute, they actually got a penalty, though, because Oliveira, new boy, Oliveira's shot was blocked by Dalbert's hand in the box. Um, Oliveira had the penalty, sent the keeper the wrong way, and he scored it, celebrating passionately his first game, his debut goal. Very good scenes for him. They just kind of defended that lead. And they played the game out. Um, classic Mourinho, basically picking up so many points through set pieces, man. Corners, free kicks, penalties—no problem, he'll take it. Yeah, he, you know they. When it came to open play, they kept their shape. They did what they had to do. They played the ball around. They were quite conservative. They know they need wins at the moment. It's not a matter of entertaining the fans and being flashy and showing, "Oh, look what a good player I am." Mourinho just wants the results now. He doesn't want any. Yeah showboating or anything of the sort so he's he's going for it man yeah Roma were quite wasteful particularly Zaniolo and Gian um, and Paolo Lopez saved Roma with a great reflex save on Joao Pedro that was a great save at some point we were, we were at Changes in Slima watching yeah, this one with Tomorrow um, yeah shout out to Tomorrow shout out hey, to tomorrow. Changes a great place yep and, and, and a great owner what's his name uh, Joe Kassar Joe Kassar Joe Kassar legend Kenila Marrabat Marrabat Ajax yeah. is me um, yeah, nice guy. He has a, a massive T-shirt collection, like football yeah, shirt and collection. Scarves, scarves, man, and old football shoes from the sixties. Yeah, what a real football night, man! <laughs> to, to watch this. Um, basically, dude, Roma were dispossessed thirteen times to Cagliari's five. Thirteen John, times. Yeah, wow. John was dispossessed three times. Abraham four and Zaniolo four. Mickey just once. Um, isolation nation. Serious and experienced. Law-breaking decision-making. It's probably a combination of the three. You feel me? It's interesting because these, <laughs> the, these are the... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> these, are, these are the kind of players to charge at defenders and try take them on. And I think Roma would be happy to have those style of, of players in their team t- mm. taking players on moving forward desperate to, to get that but it's get kind of like it demonstrates the lack of game plan kind of it's more like we defend and then we break mm. charge at them 
Mm. You know, there are no patterns. There's no you. swift play going forward. It's just literally play the ball to John, he charges. Play I the ball to Zaniolo, he charges. early pass to the wings. Like exactly. Long ball to Abraham, hold up play, play it to whoever's charging. That's exactly. it. That's their game. Exactly. Plan. Get the ball out wide, take your man on and try find Abraham's noggin pretty much. The or second, an early, early crosses I've been working The second they come against a good side, they get dominated. They have no mm-hmm. game plan. It's true. No, Rome are fucking... Trash man. Like they, you they've can't been, rely they've been on terrible. set pieces only. But oh, fuck. I I think they they've got a good guy with them now, Man Oliveira. I think he was a good yeah, sign. Yeah, he's he's good. He's really good. Like I know, we're, like everyone's probably like, ah, you're saying that because he scored a penalty in his debut. No, no, it was no, always going to be a good signing. We addressed it in the last yeah. one as well. We actually have proof now. Do we? Yeah. Um. Yes, and he's gonna take. Penalties over Vera too, probably. So whoever has Ooh. Vera won Fanta and paid like 50 credits for him. <laughs> Me last year. Yeah, you last year. And I won, so fuck you. Yeah, um, I want to highlight Altare and Carboni, who each made seven tackles Ooh. at the back for Cagliari. Seven Massive, tackles is very good, good, man. Interestingly enough, Pavoletti won seven aerial duels to oh, Tammy's oh, one. Oh, yes, so Pavoletti. So it goes to show this guy is a good hold-up play striker. Look at that. Cagliari have improved. Significantly, to be honest, um, putting Venezia and Spezia in a world of danger and Sampdoria as well. Yeah, they are stepping it up. They are stepping it up. They obviously still have a lot of work to do. They want to get as far away from that relegation zone as they can. But I think, well, they definitely have reacted well thus far. They had they had two wins and then obviously a, a loss against Roma, which isn't something they should be too upset about, even though Roma are shit. Yeah, but obviously we all know how Cagliari have been this season. But they're the only team that kind of well and Spezia to be honest to to step it up and get a win and really turn things around. It's definitely exciting at the bottom. Yep, almost as exciting as it is at the top, man. Why so, did this turn so sexual, man? <laughs> <laughs> so the next game we're going to be covering is Salernitana's home loss against Lazio. Um, 3-0 the, It was the same result In the reverse fixture Lazio had beaten Salernitana 3-0 at home as well And they were both Owned by the same person Back then And they were both Owned by <laughs> Literally Lotito So Lazio Coming off their 2-1 away Loss to Inter And Salernitana On the other hand Coming off a 2-1 victory Away from home To Hellas Verona Which was just Fucking weird but Salernitana have won four points at home in Serie A this season. A joint low alongside Genoa. Um, Salernitana have scored the fewest goals at home as well. Five goals only scored at home. And they have each lost... Well, they have lost each of their last six games in the Areki Stadium. Failing to score in their last five. So that's fucking bullshit. Dog wank yeah. titas like. Has Pedro been the signing of the season, man? Well, unless we're talking about like, unless we're taking into account Tomori, for example. No, this was, year, I mean, but he was signed. I this know, year. but like, okay. doesn't count. You don't want to play like that. <laughs> I don't play like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Who else? Fucking I mean, Chalanoglu is, a, is another Chalanoglu, one. I guess sure, but Pedro's been. But yeah, just Pedro, as good. Pedro, literally, Pedro's been really, really good, man. I think his numbers speak for themselves. He, yeah. The, <laughs> You're all right, man. I can't speak, dude. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> I can't speak for shit. Um, let me run you through the play-by-play. In the seventh minute, Immobile finished after a superb backheel volley assist by SMS Triple X, <laughs> the Karate Kid, the man who once had a glorious mustache. 
He what? He took it off. He's here. Yeah, he shaved. It. Oh come on! I know, I know. This but is obviously Milinkovic Savic we're talking about. An incredible assist. It was beautiful. It you was beautiful. It, on, it reminded me of Guti, man, of of Real. Yeah, that was so good. He said that on Fanta Calcio, you should get an extra point five when when it's good like that. I agree with him, man. Yeah. Even though no, he wasn't against me, but yeah, I probably would have wanted the guy to ask him to assist. lose. Like yeah. wow! And Sarri recently praised him. You know, he said that he's, he's up there. up there with he's the best with that the he's contest. managed. No? He's up there with the mm. with the best players he's managed. Basically, he said all those that you were. As well. uh, <laughs> he didn't even name. That them. was hilarious, yeah. man. Why the fuck would he say it like that? Um, in the tenth minute, Immobile finished into an empty net after Pedro squared the ball. Well, we we're just talking about him, and you know, three minutes later, he does that. Now, Immobile could have gotten a hat-trick after his header hit the crossbar and bounced off the line. Goal line technology came into play there on the referee's watch. I saw it. In the 66th minute, Lazzari scored. Yeah, against me. Against you on Fanta. And for Matthew, of course. For me, obviously. Um, No, it was good to see Lazzari score again. And and he was happy. He took his shirt off and got me a minus 0.5. They might be rubbing their hands right now a lot. You're saying like... Maybe His value is gonna go in, up. Yeah, like, maybe someone will be mm. like, "Ah, oh, that guy isn't bad." And pick maybe him up. Newcastle will get another right back. Like, yeah. But aha, uh-huh, Lazio produced a convincing display against last place Salernitana. You know what I mean? Yeah. Their attention now turns to their match against Atalanta, which is a real test. Like, what the fuck is gonna happen there? Obviously, Atalanta are gonna <laughs> are gonna, gonna kick them. their asses. This is probably gonna bite me in the ass. But, but Lazio whatever. do play up to big opponents. No, they Unlike do. They, they gave Inter a game yeah. twice. Like they they won one of them. Um, but uh, it was also nice seeing Lazzari coming on and getting on the score sheet, man. Yes, it was, man. It was nice for the for the plus two point five because obviously he got minus point five because he took his shirt off. <laughs> Fucking asshole. Yeah, and you beat me, man. And, no problem. And I still the first to beat head team. up, you know, onto the next we move. Yeah, but obviously Lazzari will be parting ways, should be this January, so it's a nice little send off for him as well. Uh, Strakosha started again over Reina, and Reina featured in the Coppa Italia. Is there more of this to come? Um, I think so. I think they're being rotated, to be honest. No, it's, it's quite clear. Um, Strakosha might see a few more games. Yes, I think he's a long-term solution as well. Maybe he's a long-term if they view him that way. Um, he's definitely longer term than Reina. Yeah. yeah. Well, Strakosha had to produce one save in this match, and let me tell you what, bro. The shot reminded me of when I was like five years old and going bowling, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I rolled into it the like gutter. A, not not into the gutter, just like really slow <laughs> and straight, like. <laughs> Because he just had to, he just That's had to pick it up. That's a good bowling technique, though. If it's hey, slow and straight, he's no, going to strike every time. Obviously, mine would be off target. <laughs> Theirs was on target, but it was incredibly slow and like rolling <laughs> who against was the it? grass, man. I can't remember who it was. It's probably it's, Gondo. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was Gondo. Um, Gondo's been good, man. Yeah, Gondo's been, been one of their so better one players. One of the ones that might actually stay up from this team. One of the few, maybe. I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you, do you think there's a player from Salernitana who stays up? The one that I think stays up for sure is Ranieri, the fullback. He stays up for sure. You reckon? Uh-huh. Well, I think he's highly rated. I think someone might bring him in as like a substitute fullback. Like even one of the good sides and say he's a hmm. pretty good talent. Okay. Um, maybe Bonazzoli, but I think Serie might be a good a good place for Bonazzoli to, to play for a season. Like yeah, that. in fact, there's, yeah. there's very much... People on the same wavelength as Bonazzoli in, in Serie B, I would say. He's he's good on his day, you know, he, he gets moments. 
But and I guess yeah. Joel Obi could put in a shift too somewhere else. It's because of his CV, like he was with Inter. Maybe he's 30 maybe. years old. There's right? definitely a place for him in top flight football somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. I have an interesting question for you. Who do you think will finish top scorer, Chiro or Vlaovic? Um, Chiro. Both rigoristi. Chiro. 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 You think? I think so, man. Chiro's been doing it for a while now. He has been doing it for a while, but so had Lewis Hamilton and look what Max Verstappen did. Right, you know man. what I mean? <laughs> you know no, what no, I for mean? Me, for me, Immobile finishes top scorer. Okay. Not Vlaovic. Okay. I think, I think if Vlaovic stays in the league, then he has a very, very good chance, man. When, I can't say with certainty. With Sarri teams, the, th- the striker always scores a lot. You remember Higuain, for example? That's true. I don't know. I, I think Immobile is a prolific goal scorer and I don't think he's going to lose to some new kid on the block, you know? Mm. That's true. Let's turn our focus a bit to Salernitana and just talk about how bad they are, man. Okay, man. So Salernitana, we're never going to win this game. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Obviously. Um, That's their 16th loss in 21 matches. Whoa. Just, you you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. Um, Really bad. Two managers in, pretty much interchangeable. They had six attempts, huh? Only one, like I told you, was on target and was the bowling technique. Do you um, think they'll go down to Serie B and just stay in Serie B? Or do you think they'll fight to come back up? I think they might be one of the one of the top teams. Like they could make the playoffs and all that. I think they might make the playoffs as well. To be honest, um, they they were they came second uh, man. under they, under they, ca- a story. They were an organized mm-hmm. side at least. Mm-hmm. At least for Serie B, you know yeah, what I mean? They, like, more than they didn't have to deal with the pace. Yeah. They that that's one thing they really struggle with, man. Dealing with teams' pace. If you like. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're not They concede a lot there, against you know, these the teams. The guys don't look like they're on the same level as well. Even of celebrity status, they look like ordinary people, these Salernitana players. Yeah, you know fuck it, I kind of like that about them. Yeah. And then, like, like the Takeota's dolphin chest, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah, like no, no top level footballer. Like even Bellotti can't make it with his yeah, right. <laughs> But anyway. Uh, but yeah, um, just I want to say the stat Lazio had 810. Successful passes in this match to Salernitana's 244. I'm going to say that again. 810 completed passes. That's fucking ridiculous. Lazio had 74% ball possession to Salernitana's 26% ball possession. Lazio are in 6. There's 6 points behind Juve. And Salernitana are 20th on 10 points. Only one game in hand, by the way, because their absence in the Udinese match resulted in a 3-0 forfeit from the Serie A. Yeah. Serie A made that decision. Because they could have travelled, apparently. Yep. Classic so, inconsistency, baby. So, yeah. All right. So, the next game was between Sassuolo and Hellas Verona, which saw Hellas Verona beating Sassuolo 4-2. Jesus, man. Yeah. Um, Sassuolo came into this game with five out of six matches won against Hellas. Now, a fun fact about this game is that only Atalanta and Torino have scored a smaller proportion of goals from set-piece situations this season than Sassuolo and Verona. Um, Atalanta have 7% of their goals, Torino 13, Sassuolo 17, and Verona 19. So this is a, you know, historically it was a high-scoring affair. Mm -hmm. And we thought, to be honest, our predictions were quite high-scoring. I think you did 3-2. I did did 3-2. I I did it for Sassuolo, but to be honest, it was a a toss of the coin. Sassuolo could have won this game. Yep, They made individual errors. I'm going to get into it now. there was a moment that foreshadowed what was to come this game, and it came early on when Skamaka flicked the ball to Raspadori, who shot from half pitch and like, hit the crossbar. 
So um, we knew we were in for a crazy one. In the 37th minute, Barak gently lobbed the ball to Caprari, and Caprari hit it low and hard into the bottom corner, um, 1-0 for Verona. In the 44th minute, Maxim Lopez cleared the ball into Barak, and it ended up in the back of the net after a corner <laughs> kick. Um, that's Barak on one goal and one assist so far. In the 54th minute, Skamaka um, got a lovely cross um, by Kiriakop. Fuck! <laughs> Fuck! In the 54th minute, Skamaka got on the end of a lovely cross by Kiriakopoulos and volleyed it home beautifully, 2-1. In the 57th minute, Baraka got a penalty because Kiriak has decided to hand the ball <laughs> while jostling Simeone. Um, Consili got a hand to it, but Barak still scored. He's one a goal away. A significant hand, man. He yeah. got to it. He should have kept that out. Hey, it wasn't a particularly strong hand. Mm. Um, one more goal for a hat-trick for Barak. In the 67th minute, Defrel scored through a header from a corner by Kyriakopoulos. That's two assists for Kyriakopoulos. And in the 94th minute, Barak got his hat-trick um, because Kalinic split the defence with a beautifully timed ball and then Barak chipped the keeper. Hat-trick for him, man of the match, Beautiful. obviously. One of the performances of the season so far. For so sure. what do you he's, think about Barack, bro? No, he's 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 great overall. Like I really really rate him. Always have you. Always have. It's it's no secret. We think Barack is fantastic. And you wrote it on an article before Milan were even linked to him. And then Milan got linked to him. I was upset because the article hadn't come out yet. <laughs> it just sounds like I, I read it. And You're copying them. Yeah, no, Barack Barack is love and sexy magic, man. He's I really like him a lot. Technical tall. Has a good shot, good vision, good work rate. Good mm. I, I don't think there's there's anything he can't do on the pitch, to be honest, man. Yeah. So Sassuolo tried to play their typical game, uh, building from the back and controlling possession, but Verona pressed them to oblivion, yeah, basically. They do that, man. Sassuolo were dispossessed 15 times to Verona 6. They succumbed Jesus. to the pressure and ended up lobbing the ball off and um, playing into Verona's hands, because when it came to a physical battle, Verona were always mm. going to win that. That's where Sassuolo would miss Berardi, man. The guy creates space with his movement. He's, he's brilliant True. in that sense. True. Um, Sassuolo had 56% ball possession. Um, Sassuolo had three dribbles. Goes to show how rigid they were. Mm-hmm. While Verona had 14. They 14 were in full flow, bro, these guys. Jesus. Full flow. They were fluid. They were dynamic. They were confident. And they were hungry, man. This is after I lost to Salernitana, yeah. dude. That's fucking That's mental. True. Sassuolo need to address their defensive issue, though. Too mm. many all-round individual errors. Um, the coach even singled out Kirikes and Lopez, saying that the mm. Lopez like um, lost focus. Yeah, and he shouldn't do that. And Kirikes got too enthusiastic. He was saying. Um, yeah, I, I think I think Kirikes was bad. I think yeah. Kirikes has had bad games this season. Um, he's had the odd decent performance, but really nothing to write home about. Um, I like Lopez, and then you yeah, know what I, I mean. Like I like Lopez well, a lot, but um, he he was quite bad on this mm. Um It's a shame, though, because Sassuolo are good going forward and they're having to consistently play from the back, from the back, like from behind, mm. and it adds pressure to them. They can't play their game freely, of mm-hmm. course. Dionisi said that Verona were better in the first half, but Sassuolo were stronger in the second and that individual errors, of course, cost them the game. Uh, he is kind of right, to be honest. I think that Verona played pretty much to Sassuolo's level the entire game, to be honest. Um, even in the second half, but anyway, I think Verona, you know, we're, we're the better side in this yeah. in this game. Sassuolo gave gave up. Sassuolo lost the way Sassuolo lose. They always put up a fight. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. And they they Verona forced Sassuolo to play their game. You know, mm-hmm. so that's it. 
Mm-hmm. Tudor, the Hellas Verona coach, said that in the modern game you need to go at 100 kilometers per hour and that if Verona didn't have talented players, they wouldn't be as effective. Is this a dig or is this praise? Is he calling them lazy or talented? Both. Is this like a backhanded compliment? What's going on? I don't quite understand what he's trying to say here, man. I, like, I, I don't know in what tone he's saying it, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I read it as well, so I'm not sure. He said that you need to literally work hard, and if Verona didn't have talented players, they wouldn't be as, as effective. So he's either saying they don't work hard enough, or he's saying that they're really talented. Mm. But either way, it's a dig. Yeah, in hindsight, I think that he said exactly what he wanted to say. Like, my players are talented, but maybe they maybe they should work harder than yeah. that. So, so I think they should take the compliment as well as the criticism and exactly, just exactly yeah, and just keep their head down and work. Exactly. Um, he said that they should have scored seven or eight, which, to be honest, is fair. And he also said this is just <laughs> who the fuck scores seven or eight, though. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Real Madrid aren't scoring seven or eight. This is just a brick in the wall that we are building," said Tudor. Very nice. It's good to see that Verona actually have a, a future plan and, and that he's there to stay and, and that he's got a whole plan up his sleeve. Because one thing I was worried about is, you know what I mean, Verona selling their selling their top players yeah. and getting relegated like all these people said they would. But they, they were fucking They were wrong. never gonna get relegated. No, not course. this season, yeah. but I'm saying like if, if they sure. do end up selling all their best players. Yeah, but I think they're fine. I think they have established themselves to be like a mid-tier, say, uh, side. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, shall we move on to the next, or is there something else you want to add? No, I'm, I'm fine with adding nothing else. Okay, so let's jump to the next one. So the next game was Sampdoria 1, Torino 2. This was a 3-0 victory for Torino the last time round, but some beat Torino 2-1 in the Coppa Italia as well, but that didn't matter as some got knocked out in the round of 16 against Juve 4-1. This was Sampdoria's third loss in a row, while it's Torino coming off a crazy 4-0 victory to Fiorentina. Now coming into this game, Sampdoria had only lost one of their last 15 Serie A home matches against Torino, winning eight and drawing six in the process. They had also won the last two home fixtures, but both with the score of 1-0. Torino have shockingly enough won the fewest points away from home, just five points, and have scored the fewest goals on the road, just four, in Serie A this term. Whoa. That's terrible, like what the fuck. That's terrible, but, but they're making good progress, I have to say. They're playing well. Yeah, yeah, it's the, sticking for they've them. Been, they've been much better this mm-hmm. season than they were last season. They were terrible last season, man. In the 18th minute, Caputo finished after a good through ball by Gabbiadini. Vanya got a touch to it, but it wasn't enough. In the 27th minute, Singo scored a header after a cross from the far post by Voivoda. Thorsby, who was marking him, was absolutely non-existent over there. In the 67th minute, Pratt, he- Pratt scored a header after a Lukic cross. Again... Thorsby not putting up a fight. He was wearing this band-aid on his head like a condom. It's so do you stand think... out? <laughs> but, but he was wearing a condom on his head and he wasn't defending like so he looked like an absolute idiot. <laughs> but he just highlighted. Yeah. Like. Do, do you think that maybe he wasn't going for headers because he had a bit of a head injury? That's though? the whole logic. That would be that would be the whole psychological terrible. battle that you have. Um, I don't know. I... To be honest, it's not an excuse. Too the likes of Kellini, for example. Kellini has the headband on. He's like, mm. perfect, I have tissue, some protection for my mm-hmm. noggin. Mm-hmm. He slaps it even harder. Like. Yeah, but it was terrible defending 
twice by Torresby, and he knows yeah. it. He, he looked devastated both times. Now, as a result of this and previous results, Taversa has now been sacked by Sampdoria, and Gianpaolo is yes. taking his place. Exciting, because he, he had built a nice thing over there a few years ago, and it was he was so good there that Milan bought him. Yeah, literally. You know? And, you know, he, he left on form with Sampdoria. They had a great season with him. Now that he's back and he knows the team, how much do you think the team will improve? So the team has changed. You know, the, the players are different to the players that he had back mm-hmm. when he was there. Um, but he can possibly implement his system. He does need a very good Trek Artista for his system to run. And I don't think Sampdoria have that. Um, mm-hmm. So That's they true. will need to dabble yeah, like into he, the market. He, he tried to plug in Suso. Exactly. In that it's so important for him, Trek Artista, that he tried to plug Suso in. Mm. But anyway. Now, um, some were missing Koli, Yoshida, Audero, Damsgaard, Verre and Magnani. Is their bad luck ever going to end with injuries? Because they've had it really bad. Someday. They've had it bad, but many teams have had it bad, man. Yeah, but teams that can get away with it, you know what I uh, mean? Not necessarily. We, we, we've seen the likes of Venezia have their crisis. We've seen um, Genoa have a massive crisis, you know. So these guys can't technically get away with it. Yeah, Udinese as well had a crisis this week. That's true. I'd like to point out, bro, I've really been liking Falcone. The goalkeeper that came in in ah, the place. Yes, so you've, you've mentioned this. Uh-huh, in, in he's been play. playing quite well, hasn't he? He's been good, man. He's pulled off some good saves. He's looked pretty decent. Like you wouldn't tell that he's not their first keeper. Um, he's been with Samp since his youth career and got promoted to the first team in 2014. But this season is the first season he's not out on loan. Wow. Yep. Okay. He, so he his was. Opportunity came. It was exactly. A good decision. He was on loan from 2014, man, and and he came back. He stepped in for for Audero, and he looked really good, man. So did we dis- Have we discussed this yet? Whether um, Sampdoria were good because of Ranieri, or whether they're shit because of Daversa? That's a fucking interesting conversation. To yeah, have, Shango huh? messaged me, the guy from Twitter. Um, friend, is this, is this the on the question segment, though? It is, to be honest. We can discuss it later on if you'd like. Um, but it's a good question. Like, it's a very and it's good on question. topic. Like, Jesus. We can just discuss it now, to be honest with you. Yep, that's and so true. shout out to Shango, follow him on Twitter. He follows Serie A Spotlight, he's one of our 56 <laughs> followers, so you can, Legend. you can just go on and Thank follow you, him. Thank you, Shango. Um, but anyway, it's it's a good question because Ranieri had them ticking. They were a very good side under him. To be honest, he had the foundations of Gianpaolo. They were already a decent side. Mm-hmm. Um, when Daversa took over, you know, he had a great run with Parma, but then all of a sudden his Parma side stopped working. He kept trying the same thing over and over again, and it just mm. wouldn't work, and he ended up getting them relegated. Mm. Could he possibly, potentially be doing the same thing with Sampdoria? You know, just relying on Kandreva and nothing else, no other game plan. Well, it is quite a surprise that Sampdoria are doing as bad as they are, man. They're in trouble. Like, they're 16th place. They're four points away from relegation. You know, they they might as well be fucking Venezia. You know what I mean? So it's quite a shock that that they're, they're doing this terribly. So what happened last summer? They changed their manager. They brought on Daversa. And that could and very much be a result of that. To, to begin no, with. no, no. When no. I had gone to watch Milan against Sampdoria, um, mm. the fans were protesting. They weren't even present, the Sampdoria fans, because wow. of a lack of ambition from the board. They brought in a new manager, a relegation side manager. Mm. And they, brought they, on, they brought on Caputo. They brought on Caputo later on, though, not at the beginning of the season. 
they brought him on early on and he, he didn't even pick up for them. So it was like they didn't even have a signing. Damsgaard was injured as well to top things off. So things weren't looking good and Daversa, to be honest, never really adapted. Granted, he he played quite good dynamic football to begin with. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, we really used to say good, nice things about Sampdoria and saying how, how good they are. Now, I, I was kind of tipping them to, you know, fight for top 10. You know what I mean? <laughs> they have a good team. They have a very good team on, on paper. It's just not ticking. And I wanted to make a point about the whole Ranieri thing. I was going to say, but his players were better under Ranieri. Aha, but that's a reflection of the manager. So I do think that Daversa could very much have had something to do with their massive dip in form, man. For sure. Torino, on the other hand, bro, now have four wins from their last five. With that one loss being a 1-0 away loss against Inter at the end of 2021, on December 22nd. Yeah, it's looking good for them. They're adapting. They're adapting to Juric. Um, the system's sticking for them. They have some good players in there. You know, they're even doing it without a natural, like, okay, granted, Sanabria is a striker. But he's not the target man, the ideal target man for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're making it work. They're getting their goals from random departments. Singo has been on fire recently. Shout out to him. Pratt, it's good to see him coming back from injury. Mm-hmm. No, things are looking up for Torino, definitely. Voivoda has been assisting left, right, and center with that smile on his face in the celebrations. He looks so happy. It's good. I think Voivoda and Singo in this game were fucking ridiculous, bro. I think they were so good, Singo and Voivoda. They were covering ground, they were whooping balls in left, right and centre. They were really good, man, this game. And I read a couple of articles praising them as well. Yeah, they're very good, very good players. I think another guy that had a good game was Rodriguez. We never talk about Rodriguez. I don't think anyone ever talks about Rodriguez because he kind of went under the radar since he left Milan. Uh, But he's been playing well at Torino, man. Yeah, he had a clearance of the line this game as well. Mm -hmm. Um, He's a good player, obviously, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, people didn't like him because he wasn't modern. He couldn't advance. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. he was a very he defensive. He's the opposite like. of Taylor. Yeah, but he has a good ball on him. So you know, playing him on the left in a three at the back formation could be a good idea, mm-hmm. and it's working. It's working well. I think he's been playing well for them. I think he's been putting in a shift every time, and and it's it's good to see him settle down somewhere, not like moving to Germany and all that shit. Yeah, God forbid you move to a good league. <laughs> <laughs> so, Torino find themselves in ninth place. They're only four points behind Fiorentina, Roma and Lazio. Uh, Sampdoria are in 16th place. Just a couple of points away from the drop. The next game saw Venezia take on Empoli at home in a stalemate 1-1. Um, Venezia are unbeaten in Serie A against Empoli, actually, with two wins and two draws. This is the first game this season between newly promoted sides that did not end in an away win. Oh! Yeah, 1-1 draw. That's a pretty good result for Venezia. Um, In the 26th minute, Zurkowski scored thanks to a Bandinelli assist. There was some good play down the left-hand side and across that game, and that saw Zurkowski volleying at home. And in the 73rd minute, Nani got an assist, their new boy. Nani, Nani, um, Nani. One of the Empoli players was down, so it wasn't as, as fun to see. Um, mm. But Nani played some clever balls, you know, one-twos outside the area, and then eventually playing through Okereke, who scored. He looked he looked fast and accurate. Yeah. That's what, what in the in the little bit that he played, that, that's what I noticed. What do you think? Do you, do you think like, he's going he's gonna to get numbers? He's going to do numbers and, and say, yeah, the season, Nani. Will he get uh, five goal contributions, six goal contributions? 
have like maybe like three goals, four assists or something. Three goals, four assists like is crazy that. to be honest. Like he, that's a great half a season. He's spell. got he's got half a season and yeah. and well from what we saw he looked good. He did. He and and it was against Empoli and Empoli are a good side and and he went on and. He did what he did. He got them straight back into the game. There were tired legs at that point, but it's <laughs> there are going to be tired legs in matches. So bring on Nani, and he does that. He'll be he'll be a nice plug in. Man. I wonder if he can start. To be honest, they don't even need him to start though. They have a good enough starting team. They just need that oomph off the bench, mm. you know. Because there's well, there's Jonsson, and on the other side there's Okareke, right? Okareke, there's Aramu. You can plug on the wing mm. as well. You can pop Okareke yeah, up did- front. I, I don't know if we'll see Jonsson losing his place. I know it's odd to say Jonsson won't lose his place to Nani, but Nani's 35 and Jonsson's in his prime. It doesn't matter, you know, yeah. their, their ceiling. That's basically it. Yeah, so Venezia <laughs> mean business, of course, Nani immediately off the bench. Um, they have a cute amount of depth. Yeah, it's, it's, uh-huh. it's, it's a very humble amount yeah. of depth, but they have it. They have it, they have it. Um, the possession was pretty much 50-50. Venezia played to Empoli's high level, to be honest, and they basically had a half each this game. Empoli played yeah. well in the first half, Venezia played well in the second half. All their shots came in the first, all Venezia shots basically came in the second half. Mm-hmm. These games are always interesting, man, when two newly promoted teams face each other in Serie A after getting promoted from B. It's always interesting because they know each other more than the other teams know them. So it's always a different approach. It's not always a Serie A encounter. Yeah, they, they go they back don't need to the new roots, file. Kind of. They have an old file, you know. Exactly. Pick out the old file but they also both pick up experience from playing larger teams. And then it's all about who adapts more. Yeah. But Venezia adapts really well to Empoli's game. And then there's something of it. They always like got back into the game and, and had good performances yeah. against them. Venezia can play up to their opponents as well. They're one of those teams. Um, fun fact, by the way, about Empoli's stadium, the Stadio Castellani, it has been named the worst in Europe in a survey, oh, wow. which saw five Italian arenas in the 15 lowest scoring venues. Um, but to be honest, fuck them, because they also put Venezia on the bottom 10, and that stadium is fucking lovely. It's beautiful, man. It's lovely. You, have, you get there by boat only. We have to go. Uh. We have to go. We have to we go. Have to go we have for to go, sure. Man. But first, San Siro. Yes, we'll first, they have to let more than... 5,000 people. Yeah, more than Madlina into, <laughs> into the stadium. But anyway, um, I think that's pretty much everything for this game, unless there's something you want to add about this one. No, obviously both newly promoted teams, very different places, Empoli pushing in that top 10, Venezia fighting relegation, but a good point for them to get, a bit of a pity that Spezia picked up three points against Milan, but... Yeah, they, yeah. They, they should be inspired after Richie that. Richie had another under-the-radar performance. He's incredible, this guy. He plays like he's well beyond his years. Um, so it's, I'd just like to highlight him. Bayrami, of course, played well as usual. Yep, Empoli find themselves in 11th place, just one point behind Hellas in 10th, whereas Venezia find themselves in 17th place, in 17th place just two points above Cagliari, but have a game in hand. So welcome back to our transfer segment where we're going to discuss who saw it, who liked it, who wanted it and who got it. Take it away, bro. Odinese liked Benkovic, so they got Benkovic from Leicester on a free transfer, a promising centre-back. Demario has left Odinese to join Vicenza, that's been an undisclosed fee. 
Nani has joined Venezia, as we reiterated earlier, um, assigning from Orlando, left winger, 35 years old, obviously a great CV that he has at Manchester United and Lazio. Um, Bjarkesen has left Venezia to join some team from the back arse of nowhere. <laughs> Fucking Catanzaro. Catanzaro, yep, 21-year-old left winger. He's been loaned out over there, so I'm sure he'll get some playing time. Sabelli has left Genoa, the 29-year-old joined Brescia on a loan. Um, Girgi also left Atalanta, the left-back has joined Feral Pisalo <laughs> on a loan, that's mental. Califiori has been loaned out by Roma with Genoa, he's already played and he's looked alright to be honest. Mohamed Fares has left Lazio on a loan to Torino. That's a big one. That's quite a big one, yeah. Um, Francesco Forte has left Venezia to join Benevento on loan. Probably get some playing time there as well. Mert Chetin has left Verona on loan. Jesus Christ, these names are mental, dude. Kayesi Rispor. That's crazy. Schneg has left Venezia and joined Crotone on loan. Flavio Di Dio returned to Bologna after a loan at Teramo, but was then loaned out to Picerno, where he'll be spending until the end of the season. Uh, Giacomo Magnani has left Hellas Verona to join Sampdoria, quite a big one over there. Uh, the 26-year-old centre-back joining Sampdoria to keep their hopes of staying in the league alive. Robin Olsen returned to Roma from Sheffield United, where he was loaned out, but was then loaned out to Aston Villa. Satariano has been loaned out from Inter to Stade Brestois. No idea. He was rumoured to be going to Nottingham Forest. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, Papa told us. Um, Eunice has... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eunice has rejoined Napoli after his loan with Frankfurt. Uh, Kevin Piscopo has joined Empoli after his loan at Spal has come to an end. Maximilian Ullmann has joined Venezia for 500k from Rapid Vienna. He's a left-back, 25 years old. Francesco Cassata has joined Parma on a loan from Genoa. And Kevin Piscopo has been loaned out to Renate from Empoli. So, if you hear it here, guys, it's, it's official. There are rumours floating about, but... Do not listen to them. Get excited, get enticed, but do not believe. Mancuso is going to Monza. By the way, official, like. Yes, yes official. It's just been confirmed. Hmm. Uh, so Simi won't be going anywhere, basically. At least not to Monza. Not to Monza for sure. I got a question. Uh, I got a question. So here we are again at our question segment. If you would like to ask us a question, you can go to at a Spotlight on Twitter or Instagram and just drop us a question or a hot take over there. We'll be sure to reply to it. Now after that fantastic start, <laughs> <laughs> the first question comes from Vooteling, at Vooteling on Twitter, at V-U-G-H-T-E-L-I-N-G. He asks, Shira's goal was more beautiful and more difficult than Vlavish's goal. Not really a hot take, more common knowledge. Oh, wow, he's confident, huh? I think, well, when you're comparing what Immobile did in the goal and what Vlaovic did in the goal, I think Vlaovic did much more. He he chipped the keeper from a distance. It was beautiful. He controlled the it ball clever, well. Yeah. yeah. As a team goal, I would much rather have um, Immobile's goal at my arsenal. It was 
Good team play from the free kick directly to Milinkovic Savic. He back heels it in midair, falls to Immobile and who better yeah. for the ball to fall to. As a goal, Vlaovic was better, but um, when it comes to that move by Milinkovic Savic, the team moved the long ball as well. I'd say Lazio's goal was better overall. Yeah, I'd, I'd, Nobles, goal I'd, was more beautiful than Vlaovic. I'd watch opinion. a compilation of a hundred of those. You know what I mean? Yeah. Chips are beautiful, don't get me wrong, and, and of the whole storyline between Vlaovic's goal is great as well, but okay. I'd take the, the Lazio goal. Farinho, friend of the podcast, at hey. Farinho underscore 10 on Twitter, asks, when is Mourinho getting sacked? Didn't think he'd make it this far. <laughs> Um, to be honest, I, I did expect him to make it at least this far. Um, yeah. His results have been pretty <coughs> shocking. His performance is even worse. Um, I don't think they'll sack him simply because of what you're buying into when you get Mourinho. I think they see this as a long-term project. They even said at the start of the season that this is a three-year thing, like minimum. Yeah. So I think I think they'll hold on to him for a while. I think it'll need to take a string of really terrible performances for, for Roma and, and not like it is now, but them actually consistently dropping points yeah. against weaker sides, which Mourinho's sides tend to do. And that's when Mourinho gets sacked early. That's how he got sacked for Spurs. Um, yeah, for, for Spurs, really. So United, I think if, to be honest, to a certain extent. Like, I think if next season he gets off to a shit start and, and in December it's still a shit show, They'll probably sack him then. They'll need to see some element of results after an entire season, no? For sure, for sure, bro. Um, our next question comes from Andrew Santfournier, friend of the podcast, host of the podcast. <laughs> he asks, do you think a change in the rule book is required, at least VAR, due to the incident of the Milan Spezia game? I personally think so, is what he says. Um, a change in the rule book. So we always criticize the um, the subjectivity of the rule book. Okay, mm-hmm. so when it comes to a handball, when it comes to a foul, yeah. two referees can be looking at the same incident and have different opinions. That doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense. The rules are flawed, obviously. Um, but when it comes to the Milan Spezia game, that's that's kind of funny. We were discussing actually that uh, we we talked about this actually that the whistle yeah, dictates it's, it's, uh, technology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, like it it overrules it for uh-huh. some reason. Um, I think that that's that's nice keeping that human element in the game. To be honest, um, when it comes to VAR, use it, implement it, and um, keep it limited because you don't want many stoppages. Like I don't want to end up in a position where we're varring yellow cards, mm-hmm. you know, for example. Yeah, that. I like I I get the argument of making football only technology. Like all you need are people in rooms, someone literally running around in case shit gets violent, but. That's all. I think basically the computers can run the game much better than than any referee. But I wouldn't want to lose seeing someone make a decision. You know what I mean? It's part of the thrilling element mm. of football. But then sometimes it felt so, so raw shit. seeing seeing the referee in the Milan Spezia game make that mistake and completely crumble the second he made it. Like it was mm. such an obvious error, and there was nothing they could do. Nothing. No rule allowed them. There was a rule apparently. Wait, that if um, Milan. No, if the refereeing body admitted that they made a mistake, the match could technically be replayed, but apparently they never actually issued, Mm. they never actually took blame for it. Mm. It's interesting because he can check VAR and see that it was the wrong decision and he should have let play go on, but he can't award the goal because he blew the whistle, so everyone stopped. Yeah. That's the fucking annoying bit. the, The power of the whistle, it just... Ended that uh, yeah. three points would have been three points for Milan, but anyway, um, I think yeah. we can call it a day. 
Yep, no more questions. No more questions, that's it. Um, cool. So thank you very much. You have been listening to Seria uh, Spotlight. You can follow us on Instagram, on Twitter. On, you can find our stuff on YouTube, Spotify. Well, you know, you're listening, so you're somewhere. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week.